Welcome into No Pun Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host, Joe Zolo, and we have another amazing show this week talking Vikings, Texans, and the Seattle Seahawks. We're getting near the end of our team previews so far, and we only have a couple more shows left. Joining me, as always, Joshua Hudson, and if you're new to listening to us, Ryan Weiss, who just recently joined the show a I think about a month ago now at this point, right, Ryan? Sounds I've been like doing it, all though. the previews, but I think it was official about a month ago, yeah. Yeah. So Ryan joins us, and for the third time back on the show, second time by himself, the last time he was with Tommy Garrett with PFN, the one, the only, John Helmkamp, Dynasty Baird. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I can't complain. Josh, I might, have to, I might have to send Tommy the link a little later in the show just to just get you know, him in here. continuity, you know? Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, I saw that Tommy, Tommy was tweeting about listening to like some early 90s gangster rap um, about like 30 minutes ago. And he was like, I didn't know it was time to drink, but apparently here we are. Um, so he's <laughs> oh, probably in a pretty need to get him on the show. At this oh, point. yeah. He's probably <laughs> in a good mood right now if you wanted to hit him up. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if he was doing the Snoop versus DMX versus that was going on. So. I think he did that earlier and then he was going um, to like, I think I saw some Gangsters Paradise Lost. Oh, I, there's man. all kinds of good stuff. He, uh, he has already typed in on the Periscope chat. Uh, he is here, and he is surprisingly fine, <laughs> according to his comment. Surprisingly fine. Yes, and to add to add to the uh, '90s gangster rap, I didn't know that the Chronic is available on oh, yeah. on Spotify now, and oh. I just found out that "Ain't Nothing But a G" thing is on there now. Yes, that's what and, he was rocking with earlier too. Oh my God, that is that's a top five song in the '90s. It's not even a question. Oh, As the great. kids say, it slaps. It slaps, yes. Slaps and so you hard. know what? S- since Tupac. since John, you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> Nimble with numbers asked Biggie or Tupac, and Josh already responded for the Club Fantasy Twitter handle. Josh, you say Tupac. Yeah. Uh, Give me all the Tupac. John. Yeah, I'm, I'm Team Tupac on that as well. But I love them both. I, I know that's like not the thing to say, or it's like you have to be adamantly for one or the other. Because it's West Coast versus East Coast and all that ish, but they're both great. But I love I I I'd lean Tupac. That's where I'd go. Ryan? Definitely Tupac. Not even close for me. Wow. We're opening with a would you rather. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are. Oh my God. What a good show already. All right. So as I said, we're getting into the Vikings, the Texans, and John Seahawks, which as you can see if you're watching the live recording right now, you see John's nice Seattle Seahawks banner behind him right there. I am repping the Marshawn Lynch Beast Mode jersey, uh, paying homage to our to our buddy John here and to one of my favorite running backs ever, because how can you hate sure. Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. I don't I don't care who you are. You can't hate Marshawn Lynch. But we're gonna start here with the Minnesota Vikings. And if you're new to the show, uh, how we're going to run through all of these team previews is we will be doing the upside, downside, trust fall, and rookies to watch for Josh and Ryan. Then I will introduce my sleeper and IDP, and then we're going to focus in on one of these guys from each team, whether they be a controversy within the fantasy football community or differing opinions from our analysts here on the show. So we'll start here with the Minnesota Vikings. Starting with the upside, Josh, you have Kyle Rudolph. Ryan, you have Adam Thielen. Downside, Josh, you have Adam Thielen. Guess who we're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen? Interesting. <laughs> Ryan, you have Justin Jefferson. Trustfall, you both have Dalvin Cook. Rookie to watch, you both have Justin Jefferson. 
My sleeper, I have Alexander Madison. For the record, if Josh did not pick Kyle Rudolph, I would have slapped Kyle Rudolph all over my sleeper because he's wildly underrated, I think. I haven't checked his ADP recently, Josh. I don't know if you know it offhand. I'm checking right now, actually. But Okay, it's tight end 26. Yeah, it's low. I know it's really low. He's being drafted after, like, Ian Tom. He's in the same sentence as Jay Sternberger, and that should not... (laughs) That shouldn't happen. So I would put Rudolph there, but I like Madison simply because he feels to me just like a Dalvin Cook 2.0, just watered down he's like target brand dalvin cook so i think if cook you know gets hurt for a couple games i think madison can easily fill in uh the idp i have harrison smith absolute baller has been one of the best safeties in the league for a while now hard hitter can do everything across the field absolutely love him but we will start here with the show on adam thielen so ryan as i said you like him josh you don't like him john i'll let you start this off here what do you feel on Adam Thielen heading into 2020? Yeah, Adam Thielen, are we are we redraft focused right now? Is this dynasty? Yes. What are we redraft? Yeah, redraft. redraft. Okay, so redrafts. Um, I like Adam Thielen and I like him just fine. Um, I'm not in love with him, but he's going right now according to Fantasy Football Calculator at the 4.09. Um, that's, that's some really good value for someone that I think has the potential of flirting with top 12, um, with no more Stefan Diggs there in that offense, um, potentially a Dalvin Cook holdout situation, uh, kind of looming. We're waiting to see what happens with that. I think Thielen is probably going to see his career high in targets this year. Um, and I think that he's going to get absolutely peppered. So I think he's got a really good opportunity um, as long as he can stay on the field for a full 16, I think he's got a really good opportunity to to hover between like wide receiver 15 and wide receiver 10. He could finish anywhere in that range, in my opinion. Staying on the positivity train, I'll toss it over to Ryan to just kind of continue before we get to the depressing side of what whatever Josh has to say. Nah. Ryan, why do you like Thielen heading John into hit on year? the points I like. Uh, I was actually doing some research on this for an article. Um in games where either Thielen or um, Stefan Diggs missed the game, so there was a clear-cut wide receiver one, the other guy averaged eight targets and a 25% target share in those games. So even if there's fewer pass attempts, which I think those pass attempts are going to go up this year, I think he's looking at a great target floor on top of everything. I think you're looking at like 120 target floor with a ceiling, just like John said. He was targeted, I think, 147 times two years ago. I think that's about what we're looking at for his ceiling. And he was wide receiver eight that year. So I think he is a guy with top 10 potential. The OC is going to help that situation. You've already brought up the holdout. Um, They're going to run a ton of two tight end sets. So it's really going to be a question of, is Jefferson going to get on the field right away with no preseason or is BC or is BC Johnson who knows the offense going to play? It's going to be one or the other. It's not going to be both. Um, And then with the vacated targets, uh, we've seen a lot of that go to the running backs. Do they throw to the running backs more? So, but the thing is the one constant in all of that for me is Thielen. And like John brought up, if you're grabbing him in the fourth round I, on fantasy pros, they're showing him starting to creep up to the third round a little bit. I'm still sure. okay with it. Cause you're getting a guy who's going to get you what you pay for with potential to outplay that. So for me, I'm going to be completely honest. This is a very biased opinion on Adam Thielen. It's not so much stats driven for me for why I don't like him because I see the upside. Like I haven't projected for 129 targets. He's my wide receiver 13. So it's not like I'm, you know, down, down on him. 
But when you're creeping into your 30s and you're now starting to deal with soft tissue injuries, I mean, he missed, what, six games last year, left two others early. Those types of things, they don't just go away. Like, soft tissue injuries, they just stay around. And, you know, uh, John, working with Betts, who is, you know, a physical therapist, he's all about this stuff. His his whole entire section on Thielen in the Ballers Ultimate Draft Kit basically summed up as this. Research indicates that older players are more likely to sustain an additional injury than younger players with the risk increases 1.3 times per year each year of age. He's starting next year, this coming season, at age 30. Yes, he's going to be the target guy. But at 30 years old, there's a reason that you go out and draft Justin Jefferson, and it's not just because you traded Stephon Diggs. You need somebody that's going to be able to come in there and be that number one guy. I agree. Jefferson's not going to be that this year, especially mm-hmm. with uh, where this whole entire offseason has been because of COVID-19. But right. I just think that when you're looking at some of those guys in the top 10, top 15, top 20, he represents a greater risk which is why I would fade him in, when I'm looking in my drafts in that third, fourth, fifth round for a wide receiver. I hear so, what you're saying, but it, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, he's going as the wide receiver 22 right okay, now. That's a lot lower than what he's at on uh, yeah, Fantasy, fantasy Pro at 14. Yeah. Oh, really? That's a yeah. huge discrepancy. Um, let me no, check. no offense to Calculator. Calculator's been very crazy this offseason. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay. Where, where are you guys using so that I can look at the same numbers as you guys? Fantasy, fantasy, fantasy Pro's, Pro's, fantasy Pro's ADP. Yeah. yeah. Let me pull that up so that we're on the same page. Yeah, his, um, his PBR ranks right now, he's wide receiver 14. He's going two yeah, spots little, below Juju, two spots above A.J. Brown. Like, that's kind of that window where he's at. Getting there, that starts to get a little expensive for my liking. Um, I don't know that I would be buying him there because I think you are buying him – at that point, at a ceiling. pretty close to his ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it might finish a couple spots higher than that, maybe. Um, but at that point, you know, I always like looking for value. And if you're saying that a 30-year-old wide receiver is going at his potential ceiling without any injury risk baked in, I don't like that. So that's and probably I'd, I'd lean a different direction. I say I'll agree with that. I feel like, though doing these shows for over a month now. I feel like we've been saying that about every third, fourth and fifth round wide receiver where we're like, I'll just wait. (laughs) There's just so much value at wide receiver this year. It's true though. I do want to give a quick shout out to one of our writers, Chris Molina. He just put up a piece on Tuesday where he was essentially talking about the same thing with Adam Thielen. Everybody's talking about the potential upside for the wide receiver one in this run heavy offense, but nobody's really dissecting what could potentially be that downside. So if you want, check that out, www.clubfantasyffl.com. One thing I do want to throw on, and it's still going to be a run-heavy offense. It's still uh, mainly the same people there. Kubiak was there last year, but Kubiak threw the ball a lot more when he was in Denver, and I'm interested to see with all of this guaranteed money going Cousins' way if they're going to try to unleash him a little bit. So, I think we've seen, though, when, when Cousins has to throw a ton, yeah, it's the not team good. doesn't always win as much. Yeah, So... Can we also? I think it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way. Can we just point out that Cooper Cup is going one spot behind him? Now that's oh, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like giving <laughs> oh, Cooper yeah. Cup ten yeah. times out of ten in that. So, that's not even so, close. So John, guess what we're gonna do? I was gonna say this seems really. <laughs> it's would you rather? I mean, this settles a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <clears throat> exactly, it settles 
every debate we've ever had on this show is, would you rather? So this, in this Jonathan instance, Taylor. Jonathan, every yes. time, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, every time. So in this instance, forever, um, I'm sure Jonathan Taylor might pop up because I think David Johnson may be going in the same area as him. So we may get some JT talk a little later, but for, no. for this no. point here, you're drafting a wide receiver two. A wide receiver, too. So this guy is going as your wide receiver, too. Adam Thielen is currently wide receiver 14, according to FantasyPros.com. I'm going to start with the wide receiver 12, just because that's the cusp of a wide receiver one. Would you rather have Juju Smith-Schuster or Adam Thielen as your wide receiver, two? John, we'll start with you. Juju. Josh. I would take Thielen. I'm very down on Juju this year. Ryan. It's so close, but I think I'd go Thielen. I would go Thielen too. I just, I can't see past. Right, good to see you guys. <laughs> Bye, John. <laughs> <laughs> so, so John, I just, I can't see past that fat ass Ben Roethlisberger sitting behind hey, hey, center. Whoa, 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 whoa! He's looking very svelte. Have you seen the pictures? That have been making their rounds. Dude, he, he's gone way above dad bod at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. He actually, I, I, I'm not even being facetious. There, there's a recent picture making the rounds um, of him looking uh, pretty pretty trim. I think that he's been putting the work in in the last couple months. I know he was looking like Matt Patricia over the offseason. Like, I get it. Oh, yeah. Um, but he is, he's looking, uh, he's looking okay. There's a video of him. Um, doing a little like PSA um, through the Steelers community relations uh, Twitter account this morning, 13 hours ago. And uh, man, he looks like he's probably dropped like 20 pounds this off season. Um, but listen, if you have a healthy Ben Roethlisberger coming back. Um, okay. Thanks, Tommy. One up me always appreciate it. <laughs> um, if you have a, if you have a Ben Roethlisberger coming back and his arm is, healthy and he's good to go and he's back in that offense. Uh, I think it's it's fair to basically just take last year's Pittsburgh offense, Get rid crumple of it. it up in a ball, throw it out, and don't sure. even use it in your analysis of what this offense might be going forward. I don't know that Deontay Johnson is better than James Washington. I have no idea. James Washington might have more targets than Deontay Johnson in that. You're going to make because, me get up and walk out. Damn, yeah. John. <laughs> because like I, like I like Deontay Johnson just fine. But was he just the favorite of the quarterbacks that were under center last year? Is James Washington a more rapport? No, he was the only guy that could get open. Yeah, like I get it. I love Deontay Johnson. I'm not saying that I like James Washington more. I'm just saying there's so many questions in this offense. And the one consistency in this offense coming back is Ben Roethlisberger to Juju and then hopefully a healthy James Conner in that backfield. And I think that Juju – is going to surprise a lot of people and and he's already going at the ADP of wide receiver 12. But remember last off season coming off the season before he was like dynasty wide receiver, like one or two. Yeah. One last off season. Um, most of the time. So I don't know. I think that Juju's got a really good case, uh, for a higher floor than Thielen, um, which is why I'm going to lean him over Thielen there. That's fair. The, 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 bringing Roethlisberger back and saying that the only true connection there is Roethlisberger to Smith-Schuster. I completely get that. Uh, I don't like either of them. I would probably move on and maybe take a tight end. Another running back. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. I don't want either of them on my team. 
Um, but that's the question posed. Wide receiver 13, Amari Cooper or Adam Thielen as your wide receiver two, John? Thielen. Josh? Uh, I hate the consistency, but I would totally take Cooper. Dude. R- Ryan. I like the offense so much better. Thielen. <laughs> okay. John, John, I am going to preface this. I hate Amari Cooper w- with every ounce of my body. I would never draft him. But if you gave me the option of Cooper Except or Thielen, over Adam I would Thielen. I would probably draft Cooper. <laughs> I would I hate I cannot stress this enough. I hate Amari Cooper. I think his consistency is gross. He is awful. But if you're telling me I can throw him in as a wide receiver too and he can maybe drop fifty five points for me one week. Yeah, bang. and that'll be a quarter of his season. Yeah, it'll be yeah. a quarter of his season. In one week. Zero the next two. John, John, oh I hate the guy. I absolutely hate him. <laughs> so I despise so Cooper. Want, hold on, hold on. I don't even know that Amari Cooper is the wide receiver one on his own team. No, no. CeeDee Lamb is the wide like, receiver one on this team. I've been screaming that since he was Michael drafted. Gallup so, Michael Gallup, I think, is the one <laughs> CD right Lamb, now, not even close. CeeDee Lamb being a slot. But if you're telling me that you want Amari Cooper, the, the most like inconsistent wide receiver one, air quotes for people that aren't watching, over Adam Thielen, who is literally the de facto wide receiver one on his team, like wh- why? What 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 does Amari higher volume give passing you? offense? It's a, it's I, I'm always going to take the true. guy that's going to get more targets. Yeah. But yeah, if Lamb is more opportunity, if Lamb's the truth, the third wide receiver in that offense. Wh- were we just talking about rookies probably not making that type of impact with Justin Jefferson? How do I'm why just do we automatically assume that CD Lamb's going to Josh? Yeah, Josh, but I mean that's Josh. Josh, Justin yes. Jefferson's player profiler doesn't say that he's Jerry Rice, okay? That's the difference. That's the big difference. But uh, Look, I love CeeDee Lamb just as much as the next guy, and Michael Gallup was my wide receiver one a couple years I say ago I'm in Gallup. rookie drafts. Like, you know, I, I love all those guys, but none of them are getting paid $20 million a year. Cooper is, and just signed that extension, so... I also it made no sense to me. I, I, I think that oh, no, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the extension made any sense. I'm just saying that it happened. You signed Amari Cooper to 20 mil, but Dak's still on the tag. Like, yep. what the hell are that. you doing? Yep. I don't get that. You have, you have D Law under a huge contract. You have Amari Cooper under a huge contract. You have Zeke under a huge contract. And the quarterback is what makes it all click. So yeah, yeah, and the quarterback's what makes it all click. And also, let me just put this out there. There's only one guy under a massive contract that's actually doing anything on that team, and it's Zeke. Yeah. D Law's terrible. He he's a he's a run stuffer at this point. His sack game was awful. And Cooper just decides to show up when he wants to. So I also I I can't trust Kirk Cousins enough. That's I'm gonna throw that in there as well. Okay. Now that we're done there, maybe we can agree on this one. Uh, Adam Thielen or Cooper Cup, John? Cooper. Josh? Cup, all day. Ryan? Cooper Cup. Cup. All right, yes. good show, guys. Good to see you. <laughs> That's an easy one. Uh, two more. We'll go two more here. Adam Thielen or A.J. Brown, John? Oh. Wide receiver, two. You have to play wow. this guy 13 weeks, roughly, as your wide receiver, too. Who are you taking? A.J. Ooh, Brown, second-year guy, or Adam Thielen, the vet? Ay, ay, ay. That is very <laughs> difficult. Um, For those listening on the podcast, John is 
like aggressively stroking his beard, <laughs> thinking it's unbelievable. Um, Damn. Wow, this is tough. Feeling, feeling by like half a spot for me. Okay, all right, Man, Josh. That's really tight. I would take Thielen, and even though I, I absolutely love AJ Brown, I just I don't yeah. think they're going to pass enough in Tennessee. Exactly, Ryan. Adam Thielen. Thielen, because I think Ryan Tannehill is way worse than Kirk Cousins. Yes. Uh, that that contract... yeah, the real Ryan Tannehill is going to stand up yes. this season. You want to you want to talk about a bad contract? That Ryan Tannehill contract was not a good one, so I, I would go feeling there as well. And honestly, I, to me, it's not even close. I think AJ Brown's better talent. I don't think I don't. Oh, absolutely. To me, I don't oh, think there's yeah. a question in that sentence. It's just volume. I mean, if you switch if you switch the teams, I, I AJ Brown. It's not oh, even a question. Oh my God, AJ Brown would be a top five wide receiver. It's not even a question. Are you kidding me? It's not even a question. Um, okay, and last guy, Adam Thielen or Calvin Ridley, John. Thielen, hundred percent, all day, every day. Josh. That's close for me. No, uh, it's I, not, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> I have them about five uh, spots apart in my projections. I, I will go Thielen, but it, it is close. Yeah, Ryan. I do I like Ridley Thielen. a lot this year. Um, I'm going to go Thielen as well because I think Thielen's a safer play in PPR especially. In standard, I may lean Calvin Ridley because I feel he's a bigger touchdown upside potentially because Julio just doesn't get in the end zone no no that's going to Todd Gurley uh potentially that's true but the other thing too historically this is the year Matt Ryan plays as a top three fantasy football quarterback MVP candidate this year because yeah yeah number year let's go fire him up (laughs) this is the year where Matt Ryan pops off so in turn Calvin Ridley could feel the effects from that but I think I think the safer pick is Adam Thielen in that sentence? All right, five thousand yards incoming from Matt Ryan. I love it. Wouldn't doubt it for a second. Not for a second. All right, moving from the Minnesota Vikings to the Houston Texans in the great state of Texas. Well, not so great state. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Starting <laughs> with the upsides. Well, yeah, you want to talk about the agreement train? My goodness, uh, Josh and Ryan both agree that Brandon Cooks is the upside for the Texans. You both agree that Will Fuller the fifth is the downside for the Houston Texans. The trust fall, shockingly, is Deshaun Watson. The rookie to watch, Josh, you have uh, wide receiver Isaiah Coulter. Ryan, you have Kahale Warren. who's not actually a rookie. I cheated. I'm redshirting him. Red, redshirt rookie. He was on IR his entire rookie season, so we'll count yeah. it. It's like, uh, it's like Blake Griffin and Ben Simmons from the NBA. There you go. 100% right. cheating. My sleeper, I have Duke Johnson. Uh, look at the wide receiver core. Oh, yeah, I mean, I feel like they're all kind of being taken where they should be, or they're being overstepped, in my opinion, or drafted too high. Duke Johnson hasn't missed an effing game in his career. I don't. He averages over five yards per touch. Why do coaches hate him? He's unbelievable. If he gets a chance to sign, I think he does well. IDP Zach Cunningham. Uh, I could easily throw JJ Watt in the sentence, but. J.J. Watt hasn't shined as well in fantasy football in recent years. Uh, He's kind of been hot and cold. Their secondary is garbage. Zach Cunningham, there you go. That's not a household name, uh, but he's a guy that's going to get in there, get tackles, and maybe get a couple turnovers um, to maybe put you over the top a couple weeks. The big guy that we're talking about that hasn't been mentioned yet, David Johnson. 
Uh, Bill O'Brien's best trade yet. He trades. Uh, <laughs> let's just. He's traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. Not great, Bob. I mean, nope. listen, listen. Some may say a top ten trade of all time. Others may say yeah for the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah for the Cardinals. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, as a Seahawks fan, John, you've got to hate that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I saw that and I was just like. I'm what? pretty sure every GM in the NFL had to be like, wait, was this seriously? That's all I had to give like, up to get that guy. It's like it's like when you're in the fantasy league and you wake up in the morning and you roll over to your yes. phone and you see a trade went through overnight and you're like, what the hell? Who was drunk? <laughs> and why did they not shop that player? Because they would have gotten so much more anywhere else. Stefan digs to uh, the Buffalo Bills went for more than DeAndre Hopkins to Kyler Murray. I, I Not to mention, because O'Brien it. tried to blame it on contract. The the pay uh, no, up that they no, have to give no. Johnson. That's what I'm saying, yeah. The pay yeah. up that they had to give Johnson would have made up for the money they had to pay Hopkins. So it yep. makes literally no sense. Oh yeah, so. are we just are we talking about David Johnson now because I'm about to go blow for it. Go ahead, John. Guy, John. Start the conversation. I hate David Johnson this year. <laughs> I cannot stand it. I don't want any David Johnson chairs. I don't want anything to do with this Houston offense at all. Period. I'm basically writing it off. Maybe, maybe, maybe a late throw on Brandon Cooks because if he does somehow manage to not get a concussion, which he will get a concussion um, and probably miss four to six weeks or retire. Um, but if somehow that does not happen, then he absolutely has great upside to be a very, very solid wide receiver too. That's the only piece of this offense that I want. Deshaun Watson is going to be running for his life. And on all those plays where it breaks down and he avoids one sack, avoids another, he's like bobbing and weaving, you know, back there, like ducking punches, pops out. And where he wants to go like this and find DeAndre Hopkins in it doesn't matter the coverage. Just throw the ball up to DeAndre Hopkins and let him come down with it. DeAndre Hopkins is no longer there. So that extra half second, I don't have that safety valve. I think that he's going to take more sacks than he's ever taken. Um, I think that it's going to be very bad news for him. I'm concerned about him like holding up from a health standpoint for the beating that he's going to take. Um, I don't want it. David Johnson has not averaged over four yards a carry since 2016. Yep. 2016. He's 28 years old, coming off of injuries, going to a new offense with new language, new quarterback, new worse offensive line. Hard to have a worse offensive line than uh, Arizona, but they do. Changing teams, new quarterback, new scheme, new language, uh, new role in the offense in an offseason where there's not going to be any preseason. Um, all of this COVID stuff messing up the opportunity to potentially get on the same page. That one play that we've all seen a thousand times against Tampa Bay, where it just looked like he was running through molasses and then got killed by the linebacker that was coming in for the tackle was like, yikes. Like this is not the David Johnson of old. It doesn't look good. Sure. He's still going to be viable in the passing game. And yes, Carlos Hyde still managed to put up a thousand yards in that offense last year. But for me, the biggest concern is his health. I don't think he stays healthy and plays a full 16. This offense as a whole is going to really struggle, I think, to get the ball down the field and be able to score points. So his scoring upside is going to be very limited. I'm out. There's so many other options with higher ceilings, more upside than David Johnson. I do not want 
at any price. Like, I don't want him. Him and Le'Veon Bell are the two running backs that are literally just dead to me. I, I don't, I'm not going to touch either one. So, uh, I mean, Josh, Ryan, I, dare anything more to add? I feel like John kind of covered everything. No, I think he hit a great comp there with Le'Veon Bell. And then another one that falls in that same is David Montgomery, where they're guys who are going to get a ton of carries, but we just don't know what they're going to do with them. So even if he stays healthy, he could see 250 carries and not crack 900 yards. And that's just right. not going to be great fantasy output. And I think John hit it best where there's not going to be the scoring opportunities. David Johnson, when he's good, it's because he finds ways to score touchdowns. I don't know that he's going to have that in Houston. And right now he's going as the RB 21. I'm guessing that's somewhere in the fourth, fifth round. That's no. usually where I'm starting. Yep. And that's usually where I'm starting to look for that wide receiver value. So again, why am I going to take John said it best a guy at his ceiling when I can grab these wide receivers that are going so late, Michael Gallup is usually going right around there. Terry McCorin, those are guys that I want to get All my day. hands on. So, yep. All day them over David Johnson. So Yeah, David Johnson's efficiency is just awful. awful. I mean, his yards after contact per attempt has steadily decreased since he broke out in 2016. And he even that breakout year. wasn't great. And even that breakout wasn't great. He was 31st out of 66 running backs in yards after first contact. No, he's never been like, good at that. Yeah, it's never been good. And he broke 71 tackles rushing and receiving. And he's still like, that's not what he does. The The run blocking grade per pro football focus last year for the Cardinals was 24th. Yeah. Is that good? No, it's not. And Houston <laughs> <Okay>. was worse. <laughs> Houston, Houston was worse at yeah. 27th. Okay. Yep. Carlos Hyde got as many yards as he did because of his ability to break tackles. He broke 44 tackles total 41 rushing 2.78 yards after first contact you know who was even higher than that duke johnson 3.64 he mm. has been top five in the nfl the last two years in yards after first contact per attempt and nobody gives him the football nope. so if anybody knows how to run behind this ass backwards broken offensive line in houston it's duke johnson because david yeah, johnson it. can't do it Jo and he Josh, did it in he, Cleveland for all those years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he knew how to run behind a bad offensive line. Yeah, and he came like, from Cleveland. to me, all of the value with David Johnson lies in his receiving ability. That's it. That's the That's only, it. And, the and only thing. I mean, are we even sure that he's going to get that in Houston? Because Bill O'Brien, over the five, six years that he's been in Houston, he doesn't throw to running backs. A couple no, times he might. Top 18%. He might. He might have a route designed for a running back. If the only way that this is yeah. throw it. The only yeah, way like this is going won. to happen is if they're legitimately playing the wide receiver position. Yes. That's it. Like, Duke Johnson was third on the Texans in targets last year. There's only been two other instances with Bill O'Brien where a running back has hit those numbers, and it's been because the wide receivers were healthy and playing, Mark, so the running backs weren't getting touches, or it was the tight ends. Like, they maneuver where they can. So if the wide receiver core is absolutely decimated, then sure, I can see an instance where both David Johnson and Duke Johnson put up receiving quality numbers that you want from running backs. But knowing that, hey, these guys are going into the season healthy, I'm not banking on. It's the same well, reason in Philly why I'm not banking on Dallas Goddard repeating what he was able to do because if the wide receivers are healthy, Zach Ertz is still the tight end one there. Well, it's the same sort of thing in Philadelphia where they started running more two tight end sets because uh, Jordan Akins was there. Um, Darren Fells, and then, like I said, the coaches have been raving about Cahill Waring, where I think he's a big athletic guy. And they even said 
going on the IR last year was the best thing that could happen because it's giving him time to get NFL yep. ready to where you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. And he's the kind of tight end where you might see split out in the slot to where they it's a tight end set where you're going to have him and Cobb in the two slot positions. I just don't know that there's going to be a lot of RB opportunity in the passing game. Actually, so you, Randall Cobb might be the only piece of that offense that I'm interested in. And you get him so late right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's ridiculous. basically free. He's free. Yeah. yeah. I'd, Wide right, receiver sure. 75 on the 80. What? Free. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take him at wide receiver 75, but I am. You know, I'd take anyone at wide receiver 75. <laughs> I am. Uh, I am jumping all over Duke Johnson at RB 51. Like, are you kidding I mean, you me? Know John, you know, David Johnson's going to get hurt. So, yeah, that's oh, yeah. what he does. Yeah. Exactly. So, and they have no depth behind those two. And they didn't no. draft a running back. I was yeah. shocked. Like that was yeah. one John, of my preseason. John, why? Why would Bill O'Brien draft the need when he could just draft other people? Yeah. Exactly. Why oh, do totally the sensible agree. thing? It's he's, just... he's like, you know what he is? He's he's the head coach from the Waterboy. I <laughs> I think I think about running right. I yeah. I imagine. <laughs> running right they they think i'm running right and then i i'm lost i'm confused i don't know where i am <laughs> that's bill o'brien every single day operating as a general can they please just hire an actual general manager and then fire him as the coach like please no, yeah step you, one <laughs> so there or to sean watson by the way good lord yep. oh my god I feel yeah. So yeah his bad rushing floor is so much higher now because he's just going to be running for his life oh, yeah i feel like his qb6 adp right now is a bargain it could be. So, yeah. uh, so just going back to Houston's draft, uh, their first pick was in the second round because Bill O'Brien has decided to trade every first round pick he owns. Yes, it was a nose tackle. Yeah, good round for two. you. Good round for two. You, Bill. <laughs> you want you want to know the first offensive lineman they took? Probably around six, I think it was. In the fourth round, it oh, was a it was a right guard. And the next offensive lineman you asked that they took after that? Oh, uh-huh. they didn't. They were all undrafted. Good. Good. Yeah, yeah. but they paid Laramie Tunzel, though. Hey, good for you the guys. Just, worst I left see, tackle in the NFL. I see Deshaun Jackson in that room on fire. Things are fine meme. <laughs> it's uh, fine. This is fine. All right. So I'm, I'm looking for Cahill Warren. Does anyone have an ADP, ADP on him? Because oh, I don't see him. Yeah, he's he's, he's got to be not drafted. Yeah, I don't think anyone he, knows he who he is. He does not exist in ADP. No, I'm, I'm literally still scrolling. I don't see his name. Where the hell is he? Uh, let's see. I mean, Fells right now hold on. is 37. I, hold on. Hold on. So that Cah- tells me that everybody else, Thomas got, Aikens, Waring, they're all like, got, guys, like I found not him. even there. Yeah, guys, tight I found him. He is, yeah, he's tight end 127. Hell! Right, beh- right behind Steven Sullivan. Yes. And I'll get John Stephen Sullivan for your Seattle Seahawks. I didn't even know he was a Seahawks. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. Hold on, I have hold on. No he's he's being taken after Jermaine Gresham, and Jermaine Gresham doesn't even have a job. Like what? <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's incredible. Okay, so Kahail Waring for anybody that wants him is completely free. He's a very athletic tight end. He is I, someone that don't kind of draft him. Just listen. He's, he's gonna outplay his draft position. Oh, that's he for certain. <laughs> I mean, it's almost impossible. If he scores zero points, he'll still outplay his draft position. Well, he needs mm-hmm. to get one point so he can outplay the tight end who don't even have jobs in front of him. That's true. That's, that's a fact. True. 
Week but, one, when he gets one reception for seven yards, he's already worth more than his ADP. Return on investment. We we won't do a would you rather here because we all don't like David yes. Johnson. I have him on my dynasty team in hopes that he might be able to, to shed some light on my team. I have Duke you Johnson. Know, you know what you but, have to hope for with David Johnson? You have to hope that he has one good week. Yes. Like early in the season, like week one, week two, and <laughs> where, he give, hell, where he gives you Get where he gives me 80, 80 yards and a touchdown. Yes. And then sell him for literally whatever you can. I don't I don't even care if it's a bag of peanuts. You, you yeah. just you have to hope he puts just up make one sure the broil. Week. I mean, oh. at, at, at this point, I, I could sell him for like a, a 2025 fifth round pick, maybe. So maybe if 2025. he's twenty um, who former Hall of Fame uh, NFL players kid is in high school right now? That's going to be eligible for the Deion Sanders. Draft. Maybe, yeah. Uh, Deion that, Sanders kid's right. a quarterback, I believe. Frank Gore. Frank, no, oh, he's yeah. going to. He's in college. Frank Gore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now. Yeah. Oh, he's already uh, played two years. No, no, he's he's going this year. Um, he's an undersized okay. running back going to Central Mississippi State. Uh, maybe think... he gets re- maybe he redshirts. Does yeah, he redshirts. He'd be twenty twenty five, man. Is that an All HBCU right. Central Mississippi State? We need him to come out early Dang. so him and his dad can play at the same time. Yes, <laughs> oh, I swear yes. that that's what Frank's waiting for. I swear yeah. that senior is just like could, I want to play with my kid. Could, like whatever could team imagine? he's on has to has to get him. I I don't think like I I don't think that Frank Ward Jr. is the prospect that's that's yeah. going to be drafted. Um, no. He's an undersized guy. He's like one seventy five right now. Um, he's, he's smaller. He looks okay. Um, but you have to know that whatever team Frank Gore is on, whenever junior comes into the league, he's just going to go knock on the GM store and be like, can you just give my, my, my kid a one year undrafted free agent, you know, small time contract so we can play together. And they'd probably be like, yeah. I, sure. I love the knocking segue, John, because somebody's actually coming in to crash the party. So uh-uh. no way. Yeah, give there it up he is. Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Tommy Garrett. <laughs> I hope his headphones. Welcome are in, Bluetooth. Tommy. <laughs> What's up, everyone? How are John, you, sir? John I'm has full on left. <laughs> He's going to get some more herbal tea whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll come back with a giant di- diatribe written about Jonathan Taylor by the time he comes back. <laughs> well, I was about to Love I was it. about to bring up Jonathan Taylor because before before we got into this, um, we talked about David Oh John's hey. John pokes his head in real quick. John hi- It never fails. Jonathan Taylor somebody ring. What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> So it's like Beetlejuice, say it three times. Yeah. <laughs> so, so John, I always enjoy your your little JT rants. So I'll I'll give you I'll give you like a couple minutes here. So a couple guys yeah. here. We talked about David Johnson's taken as an RB two right now. He's like smack dab in the middle. He's currently going RB twenty, way too high. I think everyone agrees here on this show. So guys being taken in the same breath as him, Leonard Fournette. Now, someone speak out if you believe that any of these guys should not be taken over David Johnson. We're just going to assume that they should be. Until yeah, hundred percent. Yes, until much, someone yeah. says something different. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell. Mm-mm. Okay, that's Although fair. David David Johnson is slightly less dead than Le'Veon Bell to me, and that's that's as kind as I can put it. Now, okay, is that more because go. of Bell, or is that because of Adam Gase? Um, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the offensive line. It's Adam Gase. Yes, but they made offensive line improvements, John. Makai Becton. Makai Becton ran like a 4.9540 at 300 and whatever he is. He's like that was like the most insane. Yeah, it was like the most insane 40 I've ever seen. Like he's a big boy. Yeah, he was moving. It was it was impressive, but that's still just one spot on a line. Like. Yeah. Good, you got one yeah, they added, most fantastic. of the guys they added were all depth pieces. Like yeah. none right. of those names really just kind of like, oh, I, I want that guy blocking. No, but I'll, I will take David Johnson for his potential receiving upside over Le'Veon Bell. I'll I'll give him that That's caveat. Fair. And That's, that's why fair. I feel that way. Uh, Chris Carson. 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 Oh, Carson. Melvin Gordon. Melvin. Gordon. Uh, DJ's at 20. James Conner. 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 I'm going to skip over 22 for a sec. Devin Singletary. That's I think I would take Johnson. Yeah. We're getting close there. Yeah. That's a pause. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, Buffalo is going to be more of a run-focused offense. We don't know the effect of Zach Moss on that team. Plus, you got once you get inside the red zone, you have to worry about Josh Allen, too, stealing some, cuts, stealing yeah. some carries. Yeah, we were just talking about this last week. Buffalo running backs have scored nine rushing touchdowns in the last two years total. Yikes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes. Yikes. has zero touchdown upside, and I don't think he offers even near what Johnson could from a receiving perspective. Okay, agreed. I'd go DJ. I think twenty-four is David Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah, yeah so I have Johnson higher, but I think I would still take Montgomery. So that's the end of your RB twos, but a RB twenty-two is the one, the only, the love <laughs> of John Helmkamp. Oh. None other than Jonathan Taylor. Do we even need uh, to ask? Do we yeah, need right? to ask? Or? No, he's going <laughs> way too late. Um, Middle yeah, of the fifth round. Now, that in redraft, that sounds right for this weird offseason, for not getting yeah. on the field, for all that. Uh, listen, he's taking over that backfield. It's just a matter of when. It's not if. Marlon Mack is like a... He's only like $2 million against the cap. He's going to be a very, very inexpensive backup to Jonathan Taylor before long. Um, it's just a matter of how how fast Jonathan Taylor gets acclimated to that offense, to the language, stuff like that. That offensive line is absurd. Yep. Um, the thing is, he's going to make one run probably early in the season, like week ones against Jacksonville. He might only get like eight to 10 carries against Jacksonville, maybe something like that. And, and Marlon Mack's probably going to get, you know, 12, 14, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, he's probably going to have less carries than Marlon Mack week one. But he's going to make one run where you look at it and you go, I know for a fact that Marlon Mack could not oh, do yeah. what Jonathan oh, Taylor yeah. just did. <laughs> and it's going to be so hard for them not to just feed that guy, um, especially against that really bad run defense. I, I mean, he makes one and with that four three nine speed at that size. It's 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 going to be pretty. I'm really looking forward to it. He's going to break at some point. I think that that ADP for JT makes a lot of sense. Um, if you wanted to reach on him around earlier, that that'd be fine. I don't want him as more than my RB two. I prefer him as an RB three in redraft um, because you are baking that risk of like when is he going to like fully take over this job into his price at that point and you're not sacrificing your early season while you're waiting but whenever he does take over that job um he's gonna have more of an impact down the stretch of this year than miles sanders had down the stretch of last year 
is is the way that I like to put it. He's going to be a, a league winner for the, the stretch run of the season, in my opinion. A great so, comparison to this that uh, I heard on the Fantasy Footballers the other day is if these superstar, like everyone is projecting Taylor to be a superstar, but everyone's saying sure. the same thing as John, when's it going to happen? But if you were told Ezekiel Elliott's going to miss the first four games of the se- season, Saquon Barkley's going to miss the first four games, when are you drafting those guys? And they're not going to fall out of the second or third round. No, so Taylor in the fifth could end up being a great bargain if all you're waiting is four games. It's just a yep. question of, is that all it'll so, take? So. so Ryan, you, you talk about the first four games. The first four games for the Colts are the Jags, Love the it. Vikings, the Jets, and the Bears. The Vikings... Ooh. The Vikings and the Bears have solid run defenses. They're very good run defense. The Vikings can waver here and there, but it tends to be only in the division. Right. Every yeah, so, see Aaron Jones last year. Yeah, Aaron yeah. see Aaron Jones. From week five on... You're never letting that go, are you, Tommy? <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat. From week five on, they play the Baltimore Ravens in week, I think that's eight... Outside of that, I'm going to be honest. I think the toughest run defense they face is Tennessee. Yeah, and I don't think Tennessee. It's absolutely. It's a cup. They they play the Packers. They play the Lions. They play the Raiders. They play the Texans and the Titans twice. Uh, It's an absolute cupcake schedule when it comes to run defenses. Like Jonathan Taylor could average six yards a carry. With behind that, line, that offensive yeah. line. Yeah. It's un- like that offensive line. I think if you were to say who's the best run blocking offensive line, I would, you'd have to argue that Indianapolis could be number one in the NFL. No, you don't have to say Indianapolis. You just say Quentin Nelson. Quentin like, Nelson. Oh, it's, he's a road grader. Like, yeah. I love the way that he, he's just Pancake City. Like, I'm just going to start calling him IOP. Um, it's just <laughs> like absolutely it. fantastic. Watching Jonathan Taylor run behind Quentin Nelson for the next like four to six years that they give him an extension is going to just be so beautiful. Um, they have the easiest strength of schedule for running backs in the entire NFL this year. And whenever Jonathan Taylor does take over that job and it is happening, like he's going to be a locked and loaded running back one. For the, the record, you brought up about them going against Jacksonville in week one and that he can possibly break that long touchdown run. Yep. Who was it that Derrick Henry made his big plays against? It was Jackson. always Jackson. So it fits always. up perfectly yep. to match up. Listen. For the record, the Colts, per pro football focus, second highest run blocking grade among the total offensive line. Who the so first? Are, are the Seahawks one? Actually, the, the, Eagles, were. the Eagles were. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I could, I could buy that. John, I say the Seahawks because the Seahawks offensive line only knows how to move forward. They have no clue how to move backwards. Yeah. Seahawks so, were actually 17th. Really? Yeah. yeah, they're not they're not what they used to be. Okay. Well, I think another thing I think another thing that's gonna help them there is that defense is continuing to improve and it's going yep. to put them in a lot of run beneficial situations to where the whole Buckner was fantastic. Oh, that's a huge move for them. Love it. Baller. Baller. I got DeForest Buckner in like the fifth round of an IDP only league that I did with Joe Redman. I was shocked he fell that far. Buckner's going to absolutely go off in that. And I, I mean, I know he was terrible last year, but they also added Xavier Rhodes. Uh, Rocky Asin played really well as a rookie last year. Malik Hooker. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, a team that's starting to come together on defense. So Darius Leonard. I mean, their their defense is Darius solid. Leonard goes. Yeah. All those second baller. round picks and no first rounders are finally starting to pay off. Yes, <laughs> yep. absolute yeah. baller. So they are, for, ever since um, they took over the new 
organizational side. Oh, Chris Ballard. They have just absolutely destroyed it. Like, Ballard Ballard's been right yeah, over that team. Killing it. He's doing so well. Like, all so, Ursula has to do is just step aside, and they know the Colts are going to be in good hands. Yep. So, from the team that drafted Jonathan Taylor to the team that passed over Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, John. Your Seattle Seahawks. I have to bring it up every time because I still blows blows my mind to this day that they didn't pick him at 27. We will start here with John Seahawks and end the show here. John's very mad, ladies and gentlemen. John doesn't like when I bring that up, but I gave. Yeah, you got gave, DJ Dallas though. I love DJ yeah. Dallas. I love me some DJ Dallas. Love DJ Dallas. But we'll start with the upsides. Josh, you have Chris Carson. Ryan, you have Tyler Lockett. You both have as your downside Greg Olson. Your trust fall Russell Wilson. I mean, who else is there to trust? And rookie to watch, you both have DJ Dallas, the rookie out of University of Miami. My sleeper, I have Philip Dorsett. Who the hell else am I going to pick? Um, <laughs> I assume he slots in as the wide receiver three. Yeah, I don't. So. He does, right? I like that's my guess. It's him um, or David Moore. Uh, what about, like, I like what, David Moore, what but about I think and Scott Sullivan. Who? Oh, <laughs> I thought it was Steven Sullivan. <laughs> I don't even remember his name anymore. <laughs> Tight end one twenty six. Um, I liked him better than Thaddeus Moss coming out of LSU personally, but that's just me. Okay. And then my IDP, I have Bobby Wagner. Uh, for those that don't pay attention to defense, for how pants off John is for Jonathan Taylor, mm. I'm the same way for Bobby Wagner. Good. He is, he is bar none since Luke Keekley left because I thought Luke Keekley overall was the best middle linebacker. Bobby yeah. Wagner, another stratosphere. It goes Bobby Wagner and everybody else. In fantasy football, there is a very close comparison to Blake Martinez because Martinez just rakes in the tackles. But in terms of an actual football player, my two favorite players in the league are Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is amazing. Bobby Wagner is the best linebacker in the NFL. If Aaron Donald wasn't in the league, I would say Bobby Wagner is the best player in the league. That is how much I like Bobby Wagner. No, I I don't play. I don't play IDP. How close is we were just talking about the Colts? Darius Leonard to Bobby Wagner as far as linebackers go. Uh, People have Darius Leonard rated higher. Uh, I mean, Darius Leonard's rookie year in the league that I played in, he scored 307 fantasy points. Like, he raked in the tackle. So, a big thing in the league, uh, I know it differs from Joe Redman, who we had on the show, but in the leagues that I play in, tackles, uh, each tackle counts for two, assisted tackles count for one, sacks count for three. So, tackles really play more into what your points are going to be. So, with how much these middle linebackers are kind of running all over the field, that's why Bobby Wagner, Blake Martinez, Keekley, when he was in the league, are so valuable. But Leonard was just so damn fast and everywhere on the field where you just said there was no one else on defense for anyone to contend with. Wagner has a few guys. Like when like before Wagner, you know, go back a few years. Um Bruce Cam Irvin, Chancellor, Cam Earl Chancellor, Thomas. um, Earl Thomas was kinda anything kind of back there. Thomas. He was, was a ever... freaking missile in his prime. Yes. Oh yeah, my exactly. lord. And then um, uh, KJ Wright is that that who yeah, I'm thinking KJ, of? John? Yep, still there. KJ right? Wright. So, KJ is still there. Very yeah, good so tandem. He he had those guys to contend with. Right now, Bobby Wagner has not a soul to contend with at linebacker yeah, it's, on it's that. It's Bobby defense. and KJ Wright are responsible for like making yeah. every tackle. Yes, and, and KJ Wright is nowhere near as good as he was a few years ago, and doesn't even touch the stratosphere 
of Bobby Wagner. So Darius Leonard is close, if not higher, yeah. in some respects. I was just taking a but, look at fantasy data's like standard scoring, which is the standard scoring that Sleeper uses as well. Leonard beat Wagner by four points last year, so yeah. they are as equal as it can be. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, did Wagner miss a game? I thought Wagner missed a game last Not year. Not according which, to fantasy data, but did it, okay. They, they okay. I love this one. Darius Leonard last year in 13 games had five interceptions. That's tied for second in the NFL. Oh, wait, did Leonard miss three? I didn't even notice that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Missed three Le- games. Le- yeah. Leonard missed three and still finishes a top 10 linebacker. It, unbelievable. The, yeah. the guy's absolutely ridiculous. I still have Wagner above him, but yeah, I have Wagner, Martinez, and Leonard one, two, three. I flip flip a coin on any of them; they're all unbelievable. Yep. They're going to get Quint- you close to three hundred points. Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard in the same draft class for the Colts. Insane. Like that and is not, neither were first round picks, goal. right? No, Nelson uh, was. Nelson, I think Nelson was overall. Nelson yeah. was okay. He was yeah. early, early first, and then Leonard um, went in the second round. Yep. That's unbelievable. Yeah, like those two picks back to back, like you can't. It, it's so it. rare for teams to just nail their top and to get, picks like that. that. To, get cogs, to get absolute oh, stud, yeah. like yes. all pro talent at cog positions mm-hmm. in consecutive picks in the same draft. Like that is like Chris Ballard, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like, yes. that, that is phenomenal the, job. The, the last team I could think of, maybe just because it's the Patriots and I know them, when they drafted – Chandler Jones and Donta Hightower in the same That's, draft back to back, which was, and again, Jones isn't with a team, but when Jones was with the team, unbelievable. So that back to back talent. And just before we dive into uh, DK Metcalf, who's our player focus here, John knows this all too well. Cause he's a Seahawks fan. Chandler Jones is by far the most underrated pass rusher in the NFL. Yeah, um, nobody talks about him. It's nobody talks about him and he gets like 19 sacks a season. <laughs> oh, and also, He's never missed a game playing for Arizona. I think he's missed yep. two games in his whole career, and I think it was a suspension. Like <laughs> I, uh, the guy is always healthy, always on the field. Love Chandler Jones. All right. Oh, and now they're gonna put Isaiah Simmons back yeah. behind him. Ooh. Great, thank you. That's fun for me. Ooh. I like that. I actually just <laughs> drafted him in an IDP league, and all the articles are talking about how he's gonna improve improve his run coverage. And I was like, oh, this is so good. Improve. <laughs> At a, yeah. at, a, at a sub four four forty yeah. is oh, okay. I Fine. am, That's, I am all, right. all over Isaiah Simmons. If you're in a dynasty IDP league, defensive oh. weapon. Oh my oh, god! Just so I meant Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is focusing oh. on run now, so he's going to add oh. more tackles to that. I also got Simmons in that draft, but yes, so. I draft them both. They're unbelievable. They're both yep. unbelievable. All right, so DK Metcalf. Here's a guy where I know there's differing opinions between Josh and Ryan, I believe. Ryan, I know you're high on Lockett. You haven't fallen off the Lockett train yet, whereas I think, Josh, you're high on the six foot four human specimen that is DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say I'm high on him, but okay. I like the up I like your potential upside. You're you're tipsy. How about that? You're tipsy you on DK Metcalf. John, as a fan who saw both of these guys play last year and I'm sure have been following this team religiously as much as you can yeah. in the offseason with COVID. How do you feel about this situation and specifically gearing towards Metcalf? How do you feel that he fares going into year two? Yeah, so DK Metcalf for me, um, first and foremost, I'm shocked that he lasted to us in the draft. Um, yes. it, was, it was a slam dunk of a pick. I can't believe that he lasted that long. Blew the roof off the combine. Um, everyone was calling him a workout warrior. And because he only ran nine routes at, at Ole Miss, um, is why he fell. 
early in the season, Seattle deployed him largely like that. They lined him up on the left side almost primarily um, and had him run either a go, a post, or a corner on basically every route. As the season went on and he was putting in the work and putting in work with Russell Wilson on the side and, and, and the coaching staff started to see what he was capable of doing, they started expanding his route tree and they started lining him up all over the field. They lined him up on the right side. He, was, he had a more complete tree as the season went on. Um, we saw that he had a really great rapport building with Russell Wilson. Wilson trusts him. Um, the game ceiling uh, catch against Green Bay, um, you know, it's basically just a 50-50 ball that Russell Wilson on, I think, third and long threw down the middle of the field to DK Metcalf. And Metcalf went up and caught it and ended the game. It was like, perfect, stamp on the season. Like, there's your final play. DK Metcalf to me has all the tools to be a very, very gifted wide receiver in this league. His physical measurables are absolutely insane. His catch percentage last year was super strong. Um, he showed an ability to make contested catches. He showed that he's more than just a nine route guy. He can actually separate. He can gain. He knows how to leverage. He's working on that. He's working on the nuances to become an NFL wide receiver. And I think that we're going to see even more of that in year two. Tyler Lockett is still the safety blanket for Russell Wilson because they have such an insane chemistry. And two years ago, it, he had a perfect passer rating when targeted by Russell Wilson. Last year was just under that, barely. But I always think of that catch in the back of the end zone against the Rams at home where Wilson is rolling to his left, across his body, puts it in a basket like – a yard and a half outside the end zone and lock it just like completely Michael Jackson thriller leans in the end zone. That, and that was that ridiculous thing. toe tap, right? Yep. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. It was that toe tap that when it happened, I was like, Holy shit. I think he caught that. And then they showed it on the replay and he did. He had his toes down. It was remarkable. Um, that chemistry is going to make it hard for DK Metcalf to really truly ascend to like an elite status, but I think that that's coming. So for 2020 specifically and redraft purposes, don't get overhyped on DK Metcalf and think that he's about to break out to be a wide receiver one. I don't think that's happening, but I think that he's a very, very solid wide receiver two. Um, I think that he and Lockett are going to finish the year with very similar numbers. I think that they're going to be like a 1A, 1B in that offense this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if down the stretch run, DK kind of overtakes Lockett, especially as a uh, touchdown producer, as a red zone weapon. I think that he gains a little bit more of that role because of his sheer size and athleticism. Um, both those guys are going to be incredibly valuable. Both of them kind of hurt each other's value in a sense. I don't think either one of them finished inside the top 12, but I think both of them finished inside the top 18, probably somewhere in that ballpark range. And they're being drafted back to back in fantasy drafts. right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. So that's kind of how I have them in my projections too. I have yeah. them at 21 and 22. I mean, it, it's just, it's a low volume passing offense. It's what it's been. And as efficient as Russell Wilson is, I just don't understand why they don't let him throw the football more. Because I feel like they they could be even better if they did. <laughs> John sounded like he was going through a wind tunnel right there, sighing so loudly. I mean, so you look at it. R Russell Wilson 
I mean, he throws the best deep ball in the NFL. It's yes, beautiful. He 100%. And it, so three times in Wilson's career, he's thrown over 500 attempts in the season. Only one of those times has been over 550. So, and that was back in 2017 where he actually didn't even surpass 4,000 passing yards. No. But he, he did have his uh, tied for his second most touchdowns in a season, but also tied for the most interceptions. That was the Jimmy, thrown. that was the Jimmy Graham season where yeah, Jimmy Graham had double digit touchdown seasons in that offense. Yeah. And that was also his worst season as a starting quarterback at nine and seven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you look at it and you, you talk about like, I guess diminishing return at that, at this point. So you look at it, he went, you know, his most pass attempts, he was nine and seven. His second most pass attempts, he was 10, five and one. His third most pass attempts, he was 11 and five. I mean, so it looks like the sweet spot for Wilson is between 500 and 525 attempts. Now, the other thing about that big pass attempt year is he almost rushed for 600 yards that year, too. Which, yeah, his rushing has really fallen off, too. Like, they, they, you know, he hasn't been, you know, doing the bootlegs and, you know, really saying, hey, I'm I'm just going to run for four or 500 yards every year. Like, you know, we want rushing quarterbacks to do in fantasy because that lifts their floor. But again, like every year, it's 30 touchdowns. It's a 7% touchdown rate. Like, and you just kind of, much like with Drew Brees, like you just kind of keep expecting it to fall back to the mean, but it never does. And now you've got a guy like Metcalf who's 6'4". He's a beast. Like you think that, hey, this is a guy that's going to be great in the red zone and it's going to keep his touchdown numbers up. 5'10", Tyler Lockett outproduced outproduced DK in, in the red zone last year. So, so, like, and that's kind of my biggest thing with Metcalf is that we we kind of we want him to be that number one guy. And John, you kind of hit it on the head. I think they're really sort of like a one A one B type, and I think that really kind of limits the floor for both. But it doesn't necessarily hurt. Uh, it doesn't hurt the floor, excuse me, but it limits the ceiling. Yep. I think the the locket security blanket thing, and we kind of touched on this guy a little earlier, and I don't know that he's going to be much for fantasy football, but adding Philip Dorsett in his four two five forty, where you're going to have DK and Dorsett on the outside, I think that's going to open top up things. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think it's going to open up things for Lockett again in the middle to where I'm still projecting him at a little bit higher volume than DK, just because I think you're going to see things wide open if Russ isn't throwing that deep ball. Now, if Russ goes back to throwing that deep ball, Dorsett could matter all of a sudden, and then DK could overtake Lockett. So, yeah, so when, when I'm looking at this offense, um, one, it's the most infuriating thing in the entire planet to me. Um, it absolutely drives me insane. Watching Seahawks games is like you're just waiting on an aneurysm. Like you're just you're just sitting around just waiting for your head to just go, nope, I'm done. I literally can't take any more of it. Because there's an actual quote out there that says that in the first half they like to run the run the ball and gather information. I shit you not that this is a real <laughs> the, quote. The Pete Carroll that exists. sounds like Pete Carroll, yeah. And I'm just like, Pete, buddy, can you there's a reason why Russell Wilson would go into halftime with four fantasy points and finish with 30 because they don't open it up in the first half. No, it's because then, he spent time gathering information. In the gathering first information. <laughs> He's breaking down work. the coverages. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's the most infuriating thing in the world. I, I've, I've been on record on the red shirts podcast um, of saying that if Russell Wilson had any other head coach in the NFC West, 
uh, he would be widely regarded in the same conversation as Patrick Mahomes. Not I, only I, that, he'd actually get MVP votes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That just, oh, stop it. Yeah, he never like has that one blows my freaking mind. It is the, the most the, insulting thing in the entire NFL right now that Russell Wilson has not received a MVP vote at all. Baker Mayfield has. Russell Wilson is not. Well, and then the, if you want to add year. to the insulting, all the trade rumors that have come out where it's like the Seahawks almost traded him to the Browns. The Seahawks Stop talked it. about trading him to the Bills. And it's like, what the hell? Why are you even considering but, this? Well, because the Seahawks as an organization, they're notorious for um, – they have a conversation about everybody. It doesn't mean they're actually intending on exactly. doing anything, but it's that whole information-gathering philosophy. They, Which I don't anytime, think is a bad thing. It's just when it's the information not. gets out, that's when it's a bad thing. That's when it's a problem. But yeah. any single time that any player is – there's rumors of them being available, they're like, oh, we've heard from about four or five teams. Seahawks, da 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 yeah. Every single time they, they, they check on the pricing – for everybody, which which is a good thing to do, but yeah, this this offense. There's been rumors this offseason that they are looking at opening it up and actually allowing Russell Wilson to throw the ball. Signing Philip Brissett is kind of nice for what it does. Well, then you bring in Greg whole. Olson too, and we know what he's able to do in the middle of the field. Well, Greg I mean, Olson, there's... what they did, what what the Seahawks did by signing Greg Olson was hire a tight end coach. Yeah, he's a seven million dollar insurance policy in case something happens. Yeah, it's to basically what yep. the Cowboys did with Jason Witten last year. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Ex- except they had Jason. Well, it's Witten actually, what actually the Raiders play. are doing this year with him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. So I have a few questions that have popped in to my head while while you guys have been talking back and forth. So we'll start with the one that pertains to Metcalf and Lockett. So say Russell Wilson throws for five hundred attempts give or take 10 or 15 attempts. Okay. Would you rather as your wide receiver too, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? I will start with Josh. At that point, I think I would rather have Lockett because of the higher catch percentage. I mean, the last two years, he's been over 74%. That's unbelievable. That's very good. Ryan. It's Lockett regardless of the attempts for me. Okay. Tommy. Um, I'll take Lockett. I think he has a safer floor. But my one thing, like with DK, is like he started off slow, but he had he was tenth in the NFL. He had nine games over sixty yards receiving. If they boost the red zone percentage on his seventeen red zone targets, he only caught five of them for twenty nine point four percent. On those five that he caught, that was for forty seven yards and four touchdowns. If you increase that percentage up to like sixty percent, you're looking at a guy who has ten touchdown upside. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, according that's to fan, yeah, go ahead. Honestly, that's a good possibility on the jump because he caught 46% of his contested catches, which you're going to think red zone yeah. attempts are going to be contested catches. So he could easily double that output. Like, like if you look no at issue. DK Metcalf, he looks like he should win every single red zone jump ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has, I yes. mean, I guess I agree. Lockett probably has the floor when it comes just passing volume, but I think DK by far has the upside. Yeah, according sure. to fantasy data in the red zone, Lockett was second among wide receivers in. Uh, PPR fantasy points, 73.4. Metcalf was 26th. Like, there's the a one huge thing with Lockett is there. last year was the first time he has seen over 71 targets in a season with 110. Yep. Is that going to be repeatable like we saw this year? Grant, this might be the worst defense Seattle has seen in the Russell yeah. Wilson era, especially if they don't. If so, whatever happens with Jadavian Clowney, he yeah. might come yeah. back. He might go somewhere else. It's still up in the air. This don't might be the Clowney. worst defense. So they might him. have to throw the ball even more. Don't pay Clowney. 
He's a, yeah, he's a I'm, glorified run stopper. I wouldn't pay him either, but yeah, this you might not be able you to have the luxury something. of yeah. waiting out in the first half and have to yeah. throw the ball more. So you might see more volume that both guys at that point can eat. Yeah. I will so, say that if that's the case, then then between the two of them, um, I'm going to take DK over Lockett. Um, I believe in the ceiling. I believe in the uh, the growth that we're going to see out of him in a, in a second year, kind of step forward role in that offense. Um, I think that he's going to make himself into an incredibly friendly red zone target, like you guys were saying. I, I think that he's going to be a guy – kind of like prime Des Bryant where you just throw the ball up to Des mm-hmm. in the end zone and let him go and get it. I think DK is evolving into that kind of red zone weapon for that offense. Um, or you know what? Hell, just line him up in tight as a tight end and let him go to work on a linebacker. I don't care. Like just He's a mismatch <laughs> for whoever. Or a safety. Just, just throw him in there, yeah. I think that's a big problem. Like Schottenheimer's yeah. not that creative. The only player DK not. would have a hard yeah. time against is against the Calvin Johnson safety in Madden. Like yeah. that's the only <laughs> issue he's gonna have. Yes. Or, uh, uh, you mean you mean Isaiah Simmons? I was about to say I Isaiah think Simmons. He's called Isaiah Simmons now. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's who it is. Um so <laughs> exactly it's exactly what it is. I, I was expecting to hear a little more Tyler Lockett in this conversation for the five hundred. So the next question I wanted to pose was if Wilson throws for 560, give or take 10 or 15 attempts, who would you rather, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, as your wide receiver too? Josh? I think at that point I, I would probably lean Metcalf because I think he would easily get double-digit touchdowns. I agree. There's a, there's a very high percentage that he could top 1,400 yards at that point. Ryan, I know your answer. You're Tyler Lockett. Yeah, close. you're you're all you're all Tyler Lockett. Tommy, uh, if he throws for five sixty, give around that range. DK Metcalf ends up being a low wide receiver one for the season. John, preach on it. Um, agreed. Same thing. I think that at that point, if he's throw, if he's now if this defense is that bad and they were just ranked PFS worst defensive line in the NFL, they didn't address pass rusher at all. At all. Now, well, no, well, and what they did, what they did though, now listen, Jonathan Taylor was available on the board, but let me tell you, <laughs> so was Patrick Queen at linebacker, but I'll tell you what we got. We got a fourth round linebacker at, at the 27th overall pick. I'm really, really excited about that. Wait, um, you, watch you that mean, dude ball out this season. Right? Mean, I love it. They, they say, right? they say that they, that, that he reminds them of when they scouted Bobby Wagner. That's what they are saying about this guy. That he looks like Bobby Wagner. He would have been available in the second. That's putting round. so much he on been available in the third, Josh. No, he okay, no exactly. <laughs> he doubled down. Take Jonathan. He threw Taylor. the ball Stop in the it. end zone. The uh, the it's okay. I'm holding out. I'm holding out for Najee Harris next year. The, that's uh, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm holding out for. John, you're not getting him. I'm sorry. You're not getting, <laughs> he's going to be there, but you're not drafting him. Get right. Chuba um, Hubbard. Get better off. The tandem of LJ Collier and Jordan Brooks are going to dominate the NFC West, the previous first-round picks of the aforementioned. <laughs> Dude, we're depressing, John. Yes. we got to move on from this. <laughs> um, Remember how I was drinking okay. earlier? John's yeah. going to continue that for me after this podcast so, is over. <laughs> <laughs> so, another sip. <laughs> so my He's third in, my cap sitting next to his bedside table. My third and final question that, that we will end – the Seahawks on here 
is someone, I forget who mentioned it, Ryan, it might have been you, the addition of Philip Dorsett doesn't exactly mean a lot for him in fantasy football, but for the fact that it's going to open up the field more just because of his speed. So you're saying that might open Lockett up in the middle of the field, potentially maybe open up some of the tight ends. My thought was when you said that is, and Josh, is DJ Dallas a pass catcher or no? Yes. Okay. He was so, actually a wide receiver before converting to a running back. Fantastic. He's got good so, hands. He's got hands. So this is this is my, my question. Does that actually open up room for DJ Dallas to potentially be and Dynasty, I think we all agree he's viable down the road. Yeah. But just for redraft this year, if they open up the field with those speedsters of Metcalf and Lockett on the uh, Metcalf and Dorsett on the outside, and Lockett's not a slouch either. Lockett can fly too. He can. Does that open up the area for DJ Dallas? Because I, I mean, Dallas isn't a slouch either. That guy can fly as well. So does that open up room for him potentially to slide in and catch a few more passes, maybe some V routes or some crossing routes across the middle? John, I'll I give like that to you. You want, you want that from me? So here's so here's my concern. Um, I like DJ Dallas, the prospect. Obviously, he wasn't like a unanimous top five rookie running back coming out, but I liked him. Um, he had good tape. He's fun to watch. He's explosive. Um, he doesn't go down very easy. He 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 fights for yardage. He's a grinder. Is, yeah, he's a grinder, which which is a like Seahawk personality. Like there's it didn't surprise me when they drafted him. I was like. Yeah, no, that, that works. That that fits with what they're looking for in a running back. Um, beast mode. The th- uh, sure, he's not beast mode. The, don't go there. <laughs> he's, not beast mode. <laughs> he's not beast mode. But I love Dallas, but he's not. He's not. DJ DJ Dallas is a is a good prospect. I enjoyed him. Um, he was productive at Miami in a uh, very terrible offense. Very terrible offense. Just absolutely garbage. Um, him and Keyshawn Vaughn like did the most with the least. Of like the incoming rookie running backs, and I, I love. Oh, geez, yeah, the wet paper towel that he was running behind of an offensive yep. line. Good <laughs> lord, um, d- yeah, I, I, I do love Cam Makers. Thank you for that. But DJ Dallas is very interesting. He is a pass catcher, um, like Josh said. He was a wide receiver before, so he's got good hands uh, for a running back. It's probably one of his best skill sets. My concern is. One, Seattle does not like to deploy multiple running backs. They they want like a lead guy to be the guy that's out there. And there's a lot of running backs in front of him. Yeah. There's a lot. Like this this yeah. is my concern. And and they're all coming off injuries. Yep. So health is gonna play a role in it. Um Chris Carson sounds like he's probably gonna be ready to go for week one. It sounds like Rashad Penny's gonna start on pop. Um so if it's Chris Carson and then if DJ Dallas well, they also have Carlos Hyde, too. Well, they've got Los Hyde as well. So yeah. you've got, you got Chris Homer. Carson. Carlos Hyde is going to be the, the two. Chris Carson they, is going to be the one. And they can't seem to quit CJ Procise, who fits a lot of what we've been Pro- saying we want Dallas to be. Is it, <laughs> so, isn't Procise gone? I thought Procise was gone. Yeah, yeah. I think Procise is gone. I missed that. I, I don't know where he went, but I'm pretty sure I he's gone. I'm looking I, think at, he's, I think he's unsigned right now. If I he's a free yeah, I was okay. going to say, I'm, I'm looking bad. at our lads right now. So the, the depth chart is our lads has it. Is Carson's the one. My apologies. Hyde's the two. Don't worry, Ryan. Penny's the three. Probably not. DJ <laughs> Dallas is the four. Travis Homer's the five. And then you have two guys who were undrafted, Patrick Carr and Anthony Jones as 
See, I think um, you could probably flip Dallas and, and Homer. I mean, I know Homer was a sixth round pick two years ago, but well, and the same thing with Penny. Like that, his spot's going to change there once the designation comes on him. Absolutely. I mean, right. granted, we we just saw the video he posted the other day, but like, even if we got coming off ACL, like, yeah, they the the guys have gotten better coming back quickly, but it's a matter of not so much that the knee is stable. Does he trust his knee to make yeah. those moves? And it's more Mental. of a mentality aspect than it is a physical aspect. That's why hey, I've been down over Shot Penny personally. Remember that time the Seattle Seahawks took Rashad Penny instead of Nick Chubb? That was fun. <laughs> Remember when they passed on Jonathan Taylor this year? <laughs> Remember in the future when they're going to pass on Najee Harris and Travis Etienne? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so we'll stop torturing John here for a second. Um that's that. That was the that was a question I wanted to pose because I, I, I well I think Chris Carson has very underrated hands too. Like they're yeah. not shy about using him in the past. He took, he took over fifty percent of the RB targets last. Yeah, but, but so how nice. how long till he fumbles five times in the first quarter of week one and then gets? They benched? don't care because they <laughs> yeah they don't care. I mean Do they keep trotting him out there like oh pile yeah. of I mean garbage. Chris Carson finishes RB as an RB one last year as running back twelve I think at the end yeah. of the season in PPR it's unbelievable and, to me and, and his draft spot right now is criminal like it he's makes one of the best values of the running back yeah, for an RB two his absolutely. he has a fantastic floor as long as the the hip is fine I just I, I I can't bring myself to draft him I don't know why I think he just fumbles too much it's because you think him. like a coach and you as a coach doesn't you don't want yeah, people but, to fumble but Josh I would scoop up Adrian Peterson in his prime any day of the week oh, so you're he just had fumble biased, issues. That's all. Okay. but I was no, gonna say I'm not Derrick biased Henry, at all Derrick Henry fumbled the ball five times last year lost three of them uh, Melvin Gordon fumbled it four times in 12 games, lost three of them, but we don't hear people complaining about fumbles with them. It just seems to like because stick with Carson. Well, they have so much Chris volume Carson. if you look at their fumble percentage, you don't even notice yeah. it anymore. Yeah. Well, also because Carson Chris- carried the ball 278 times, only 25 less. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but Chris Carson fumbles three times in a quarter. Like, didn't he fumble three times in week one of last year? Yes. I was going to say, yeah, it happens like in, in big burst games. I can see that. But, so they're more memorable. Uh, like, it, it's unbelievable. It's seven fumbles. He gets, he gets that was even when they had Rashad Penny fully healthy, and they still didn't even take they him off the field. still didn't yes. give up. I, yep. it's, uh, I, I, I don't. He get just, it. he gets the yips. Like, when he puts the ball on the turf once, it's, then that's a bad game. Yeah. It's a yeah. bad game. Like, he gets in his head about it, and sure. it becomes a problem even more so. But they love Chris Carson. They love what he brings to that offense. They yeah. love the mentality, the approach. Um, I know that Seattle really loves to allow people to compete, and whoever's best is going to get the gig. But when you've got a seventh-round pick in Chris Carson beating out your first-round pick, Rashad Penny, Time and time and time again, Rashad Penny at this point just looks like a bust. Like it's just not going to happen for Rashad Penny. And he was a first round draft pick. Um, the only skill player they've taken in the first round, I don't even remember how long it's been since they took a running back or a wide receiver. I'd have to go back. I'd have to look. It's been a minute since they took a skill player. Um, and he's just. Pain. What is it? I said, I'm going to look it up just for your misery. Thank you. Appreciate it, Tommy. Good to good to see you, bud. Good 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 having you. I know you've taken a couple like like tweener linemen like towards the tail end, but a lot of times they've either traded their first round picks. Like so, I know the one year they traded they their traded first, out like Harvin. Half, so like, I, I found it. I found it. So of first first round picks, the last skill position offensive player that they took was back in two thousand and two. Yeah. <laughs> That was before any <laughs> any guesses to who it might be. 
This was two. Th- we're going to end the show on this before we do a wrap up with a couple announcements here. 2002, it was pick 28 in the first round. He came out of Washington. I there, looked it if, up, so I'll if, can answer because I cheated. Yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Ryan and Tommy are out. John or Josh, if any of you get this, I will I will Venmo you two hundred dollars because there's <laughs> not a shot in Jeez. hell. I, you never mind. I'm back this. in the game. <laughs> Bro, there's white claw money. I'm good to go now. White claw money. <laughs> there is no way. Tommy, you have my phone number, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, right. I'll look you up, man. We'll put it. So. I'll, Text even give, it I'll, I'll give you a hundred of it. I'll, I'll um, even give you the position. He's I'd be careful ti- with that. <laughs> he's he's a tight end. No guess. Oh, Daniel Graham. No. Who? No. Oh no! I I know who it is, and I oh, I'm drawing the blank. Jeremy. Jeremy. That was Stevens. Stevens. I, I know I've, that was around the tip of your tongue, guys. I know you always I've had that. Never the heard was, of him. The moment he said tight end, and I put it with Washington, I, I like, I knew it. I was, I just got the player confused. The one benefit yeah. of the doubt I will give the Seahawks is when you look at like their first round picks, they typically don't have them because they do trade back. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at like, um, I'm gonna go back to 2014. They traded back. You have Paul Richardson. So well, there like, you go. It's a good at, one. 2013. Their, Christine Michael. Look at their look at their 2012 draft. I love Christine Michael. Don't hate yeah, on him. Bruce I Irvin, love Christine Bobby Wagner, uh, Russell Wilson, Robert Turbin. Yeah, that was solid. How, how about how about their how about their two first round picks in 2010? Russell Okung and Earl Thomas. How about that? That'll work. And, yeah, that's pretty good. And then go That'll look at 2011 where you've got KJ Wright where they took him in the fourth round pick, and then what, Richard Sherman in the fifth. Wasn't yeah. wasn't James Sherman Carpenter a decent yeah. offensive guard as well out of Alabama? He was yeah, all right. They yeah. drafted yeah. him as a tackle though. Yeah, I mean, but like, you look at so here's I mean, here's the thing about here's the thing about Seattle and and, and about John Schneider. Um, he struck gold in 2012. Yeah, and he's been living um, off of it. And they did well in 2013. Mm-hmm. And since then, there hasn't been a single first round pick that has panned out. Not one. Not a one. He's traded out like half the time. Traded back. Um, and gotten some decent players out of it that way. But it seems like they're way better at evaluating late-round value than they are at just picking fucking blue chips. Like, get your blue... Patrick Queen! You, like... (laughs) They took another running back instead of Patrick Queen out of LSU, and Baltimore's like, uh, thanks? Thank you. We'll take him. And, like, they ran to the proverbial podium... And, and took Patrick Queen. It just it doesn't like stop getting too cute, Schneider. Yeah. Like take the blue chips that are there. Stop thinking that you're evaluating these guys that are from like low end Division One or Division Two schools and thinking that they're blue chips. It's like you know what I would love. I'd love for you to get some guys out of the SEC. Battle tested, man. Anyone, SEC, Big Ten. Get, give give me someone from Power Five that has played against players that are going to be playing on Sunday. Yeah. Like, just go get those guys. Yeah, Patrick because Pac-12 defenders, whiff. not that good. No, so, defenders, no they're not, not that good. So <laughs> the, the last two guys they drafted from the SEC, 2011, James Carpenter, offensive guard out of Alabama, 
went okay. 2000, running back, Sean Alexander, Alexander. out of Alabama. My boy, my Sean Alexander. Those are the last two SEC players that they drafted as I'm looking through this right here. They've drafted Which is kind of amazing given how much the SEC dominates the NFL draft, especially the first three rounds. Like, that's normally all SEC using percentage-wise. And that is both... Oh, okay, so Jermaine Effetti from Texas A&M. 2016, they were in the 12. SEC, correct? 2016. No, they switched to the SEC at that point, didn't they? Uh, Missouri did. A, uh, A&M, right? Wasn't, wasn't Johnny yeah, Football's... Yeah, Texas A&M and Missouri both moved yeah. into the SEC. Yes, yes. Oh, so, you're right. I can't remember what year right. it was. but I, yeah. I think it was the year Johnny Football when they moved into the SEC. Or it was yeah, the year was. after Johnny Football when they moved into the SEC. Um, but Jermaine Effetti. But you look at it, it's like, okay, Texas A&M is not an SEC school. They are, they're a Big 12 school. So the last two, last two guys they took were from Bama, and they were Sean Alexander, who is an all-timer. Love him. Yeah. And then James Carpenter. But you're looking at, like, some of their first-round picks, Wake Forest, Southern California, TCU, oh, Texas good. Tech, West Virginia. It's like uh, Bruce Irvin panned out. I'll give him that. Um but again, you're looking at just like Texas. Like you're just looking at like organizations, and maybe an '04 Texas was still good. But you're looking at colleges where that's not where perennial first round NFL talent comes from. Perennial first round NFL talent lives in the SEC. He's not trying to wake up at nine in the morning to watch those games. No. <laughs> Hey, remember that one time that an SEC running back named Nick Chubb was available and they took a guy from San Diego State? Remember that one time when Wisconsin running back was available with Jonathan Taylor and you didn't pick him either? Takes the headphones off, leaves. <laughs> he, he mentioned Big Ten. I'm just throwing him out there. Too. Wow. Like, I don't wow. want him to feel excluded. Wow. We, <laughs> we, in, we invite Tommy to only ruin John's night. And it's only it's only eight o'clock where John is. There's still plenty of time to down a few more whiskeys. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's nine. It's yeah, nine. it's nine oh, it's, o'clock. Yeah, Three hour difference. Oh, correct. Sorry, sorry. I am. Uh, I'm in Central. Thought like, I was still in Eastern. For the time. moment, I didn't even prepare for this or anything. I could have had. No, I could have had flashcards ready. <laughs> I mean, all of this. John, John. Speaking of it, Tommy, thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I saw I saw it on the Twitter feed. I saw you guys went live, and I was like, I'm gonna have to go in the comments and all of a sudden kind of see what's going on. All of a sudden, I get the email, and I'm like, Hey, you want to jump on? Absolutely. John, anything to say for our surprise guest that joined you tonight? You're dead to me. <laughs> we brought them together, and then apparently split them up. This is yeah. Well, your the, beard needs work. It truly is the Tinder of fantasy football podcast. They had a one night stand on the first podcast, and now and now they John ghosted him. Tommy comes back to life, and it's now true. they hate each other. That's it's, it's as true. simple as that. You don't know how much of my life you just summed up with that. <laughs> Honestly, that hit way too close to home. Oh man, Tommy oh. Garrett, my life is like Tinder. Okay, um, all right. So before we wrap up idea. here. Before we wrap up here, if you've been staying tuned to the Club Fantasy FFL social handles, you've seen, and we've talked about this, Women of Fantasy Football is coming in the month of August. We've already highlighted three guests hopping on. Josh, correct me if I say any of their names incorrectly. Casey Kasim of Casey. Fighting... Casey. Kasim, thank you. Fighting of Fighting Chance Fantasy. Samantha Holt of Fantasy Focused. 
Love him. Jen Piancetti? Piacenti. Piacenti. Okay, I was yeah. I was going with I was going with Italian maybe. <laughs> Piacenti, Piacenti. Sorry, Jen, if you're listening, we'll get it. <laughs> we'll we'll talk beforehand, making sure we get this correct. But she's of Fantasy Alarm. So those are just three of nine guests, Josh. Yeah, actually, we, we've, confirmed, we've confirmed a tenth. And Ooh. let me tell you, we are we're we're holding that one until they actually come on the show. But let me tell you. It is going to make the entire event. And we've got some huge names that are coming on. And oh, one yeah. of the biggest ones we're announcing on Friday. It's going to be awesome. You guys do not want to miss these shows. It is going to be so much fun. Huge shout out to Faith and Stepmom Lauren for taking over and hosting these shows. Ryan and Faith have essentially booked all of these guests. Yeah. It has been so much fun just putting this whole thing together and doing everything that we're doing behind the scenes and drawing some attention to women in the fantasy football industry, because I feel like it's something that needs to show some light on it. Women in sports in general. And John, we know you guys red shirts partnered with ball blast. Yeah. And that's something that I just want to touch on real quick. Um, Completely agree with that entire sentiment. Um, You know, red shirts, uh, fantasy football podcast. We just partnered up with the ball blast girls, Michelle and Kate Majuk. Um, to form one brand where we're housing uh, our, our multiple podcasts underneath that one umbrella. We've got one website, ballblastfootball.com. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic having kind of a larger team like this. We've got, you know, the, the five of us at the head of it. We have eight staff writers under us. We're putting out like, you know, an article or two every day during the week right now, um, two to three podcasts. Um, actually, I think we're closer to about four podcasts a week between the two of us right now that we're putting out. But just just to touch on that kind of topic, it's so important. It, it, it's absolutely crucial. I, I think we just – I know we're, we're running really long here, but it, it's so important to talk about. It's okay because it's worth saying. Yes. Perfect. Especially – with everything that just kind of came to light about the formerly Washington Redskins football team, everything going on inside that organization, this like systemic sexual harassment that was taking place inside that organization. And and there's so much that women in professional sports, uh, whether it's in the organizations or in reporting or in whatever capacity that they hold, they face so much more stuff than I think, 90% of us are aware of. And even um, though Washington has came out, like we would all be naive to think that as a single organization, like this no, is a it's not problem across the industry. Yes. This is across the industry as a whole. I mean, when you have an organization that is saying that the women inside the organization are, are literally having to hold like basically a secondary training to tell new women employees, don't go to this place. Don't walk up this staircase because it's clear and they can look up avoid these people um it's just absolutely garbage the the amount of harassment that they face on an in-person basis and then the the remarks of, of discrediting and just absolutely crapping on these women online people hiding behind a keyboard bashing them just like you know stay in the just the, all of the sexist comments that that come at these people um it's grotesque if you're in a position to support women in sports in any capacity as a fan if you own a business if you run a podcast whatever it is please do so 
-hmm. step up, give them the opportunity, validate them, show that they know what they're talking about. Kate and Michelle that I work with, um, they like to put out some takes that kind of go against the grain a little bit sometimes, but I promise you every single thing that they tweet or say or write about or podcast about, they have researched until their fingers bleed. They do so much research on analytics, on stats, watching film. They put so much effort into what they do and they know what they're talking about. And to discredit them just for being women is naive and quite frankly, R-rated it's complete bullshit and it needs mm -hmm. to stop. Yep. So please support women in sports in any capacity that you can. We are thrilled to be partnering with those two. They know their stuff. They bring great content to, to the brand that we're all pushing forward and we're thrilled about that opportunity. And I will absolutely be tuning in on all of these women in, in fantasy football uh, posts that you guys are doing, all these podcasts that are coming up. Hell yeah. And to add on to that, someone that I know just from working in sports in general um, on the team side and on the agency side, uh, one of my connections, Sydney, she had cre she's created a Twitter page called Support Women in Sports. It's at Support W Sports. The first letter of every word, including that W, is capitalized. So give them a follow on there. But something they had just tweeted out just under an hour ago was a poll asking, ladies, have you ever experienced harassment while working in or competing in sports? Out of 216 votes, 77% of them said yes. So this... This is something that just John John kind of summed it up. I won't even dive into it any more than we need to, but John summed it up uh, to a T. Unacceptable. Shouldn't happen. These women have the exact same right, privilege, whatever you want to call it, as men do to be in this industry, to do exactly what we do. We're all... We're all uh, anyone can have an opinion. My ass has an opinion. I don't do any freaking research. So like we know. Yeah. I don't do any research. Mine is all opinion based and what I see with my eyes. John said Kate and Michelle will sit in front of their laptops, computers, whatever it is, and they're going to meticulously research every little thing so that way when they when you try and trash them on the internet, they make sure that they're backed up, but it's like someone like any of us on here, we could say whatever we want, but 9 times out of 10 we're probably not going to get that backlash. But no. if someone, if a female said the exact same thing, they're going to, you know, start throwing these random questions out. It was like, what do you mean? Back it up, blah, blah, blah. It shouldn't well, be that way. And worse than that is, and the, the one thing that drives me nuts is nobody's ever attacked my ugly butt for my looks. And they go after these girls' looks. Ryan. And I'm like, come on. Are you serious? Like, yeah, this isn't gross. about fantasy football anymore because you can't beat their points in fantasy football. So yep. you have to try to make it personal. But I mean, like I said, we've been talking about this forever and we'll talk about it a lot more. But that's the part that drives me nuts is you're not even coming at them for their fantasy takes anymore. And that's where it gets ridiculous. So It does. And Bye, will, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. <laughs> I was say, I guess we lost Tommy. <laughs> Tommy DC'd. So uh, for Tommy, I will say you can follow Tommy. Oh, there he is. He's back. There he's back. You can follow Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. Thank you for joining late in the show here, Tommy. John, they can follow you at Dynasty Beard. And where can they find your red shirts and Ball Blast podcast? Yeah, everything is housed at ballblastfootball.com. You can find the links to both podcasts, all of our articles, 
consensus rankings, our Patreon. There's there's so much content and it's continuously growing. We'd love for you to join us. Um, a lot of really good things in the works. Uh, some really great tools that we're excited to be kind of developing and, and putting out there hopefully over the next couple months. Uh, it's it's going to be good stuff. We're, we're really, really having a lot of fun over there. You can follow Ryan at the Fantasy Five, Josh at the One Hud Sodi, and myself, Joe underscore Zolo. And you can follow Club Fantasy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Club Fantasy FFL. The URL is clubfantasyffl.com. Stay tuned to the social channels because I don't even know who we're announcing on Friday. <laughs> I'm going to find this out after we finish recording. So I'm excited and giddy like a kid on Christmas. Hey, same. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Um, you can, if you're listening to the podcast or listening on 97.3 Sunshine Jams in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, you want to interact with us, you want to listen, watch the live recording of the show. It happens Wednesday nights. We did do a later recording tonight just simply because we have our buddy John over on the West Coast. We got to accommodate here. But most nights going to be at 7 o'clock Eastern p.m. Please join us live. Interact with us. We'll answer any of your questions live on the show. Always remember... Defense wins championships. Offense wins fantasy football. Next week, we have the Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, and Green Bay Packers with Nate Hamilton. Ooh, my boy. Oh, baby. It's going to be a good one. Stay tuned. And we will see you next week. Later, guys.